Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. It's hard to believe that money could actually be a factor in the future of the Philadelphia 76ers, and we're not talking about James Harden in that regard. It is Chris Carlin in for Greeny today on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus. Hembo is here, Bubba is here, and we are here. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. We have got so much to get into over the next couple of hours, despite the videos of Alan Hahn playing basketball I just had to see. Oh, my God. In the span of about 35 seconds, this two-on-two challenge is its really going to be something sad to see. We'll get into all of that later on as well. Looking forward to that. But for right now, with the NBA playoffs, we roll. Here we go! go, go. Only one place to start. And right now, that one place to start is with Joel Embiid's status for tonight in Game 3. He is still listed as out. Now, remember, he is in concussion protocol, and that could change leading up to the situation with Game 3 and whether or not he is able to go. Here is Brian Windhorst, ESPN's NBA reporter, with the very latest. He hasn't uh, cleared the concussion protocol yet, so he can't be listed as anything but out. Um, this is more of an of a issue related to that issue as opposed to the orbital fracture. So if he is able to follow the steps and clear concussion protocol on Friday and he's okay playing in that mask, I still think there's a decent chance that he's going to get out there for Game 3. You don't want to assume anything with concussion symptoms, um, but even though it says out on the injury report, there is still that glimmer, you know, and and maybe even hope that uh, he would be able to get out there for what has got to be a must-win game for the Sixers on Friday night. It's more than a must-win game for the Sixers. I think this series is probably over already, unfortunately, and there is no questioning the level of importance that Joel Embiid has to the Philadelphia 76ers. But when you look at the big picture, is it going to end up being worth it to even roll the dice at all? If he clears per, uh, concussion protocol, you have to have him out there to play. But beyond that, you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you could make it worse by going into uh, the offseason if he takes another shot near the face or on the face and then all of a sudden you are potentially dealing with a much bigger situation. Now, all of that aside, the future of the Philadelphia 76ers is based in a couple of different places, and that brings us to Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, and that begins with James Harden and what they're going to do with him. But a huge, huge cog in all of this is Doc Rivers, because it's pretty clear this is not a great fit for the Sixers and what they are and what they want to be and where they're going because Doc has put them in some very, very tough situations. They're up three games to none, and they let Toronto back into the series. Then you see Doc not make proper adjustments in games. You see Doc really not wanting to claim responsibility for anything of what has happened in his past or what has happened with the Sixers, and it's beyond frustrating. And you have to wonder how Joel Embiid feels about that because ultimately it's going to be up to him. But then you read things today that the Sixers owe him $24 million over the next three years. This is Doc Rivers we're talking about. And if there's not a landing spot for him, let's say, with the Lakers, that they may turn and decide to keep him because they don't want to 
just have him walk away, pay him his $24 million, and then be paying another coach. Hambo, I'm going to throw this to you for a second because you, as we know, are a big Philly guy, big Sixers fan. When I just mentioned that could be the deciding factor in keeping Doc Rivers as your head coach, what is the emotion that comes to mind right away? The first emotion is I ask myself this question. What have I done to deserve this? What have I done? What have we done to the sports gods, I ask thee? This is the worst time in recent history I can remember to be a fan in Philadelphia. And the fact that it's pretty clear that Doc Rivers is not the right man for this job. (laughs) And the fact that $24 million could be the reason why he continues to be the coach of my team is ridiculous. It obviously doesn't count against the cap. It's become clear he's not the man for the position. Just move on. Just move on. And all... Daryl Morey wasn't even the guy that hired Doc. No, he was not. Doc which, was hired a month before Daryl Morey. That's Moore. right, which is even more reason to move on. Look, this has become inevitable. The only reason Doc Rivers even has his job right now is because Ben Simmons was the scapegoat last year. Let's cut bait. It doesn't affect the cap. It doesn't affect anything. I think it's pretty clear and obvious that this is not a marriage that should continue working. So let's just move on and be better. Look, we'll be better for it, and so will he. I mean, if we are talking about the amount of money that is being spent, whether or not it's cap-related or not— I would argue that the yearly salary of Tobias Harris at this point would be a lot more concerning than what Doc Rivers is getting, $8 million a year for the next three years. And the last time I checked, Fanatics is doing okay. They can probably afford to go ahead and move on from Doc. This is the problem. When you talk about delaying the inevitable for financial reasons, when you are in the situation that the Sixers are, in the prime of a cornerstone superstar player in the league that your town in every way has fully embraced and he has in turn fully embraced and you are now going to wait on it a little bit more because you're paying the head coach eight million dollars a year when there may be a better solution out there that's tough to take that's very tough to take and all you need to do you can look at other areas in sports other instances in sports where teams needed to move on from a player but they wouldn't necessarily do it because of the financial implications and look it's easy for all of us to throw around money but look at the Mets with Robinson Cano Mm. that is a move that never would have happened two and a half three years ago when the Wilpons were in charge of the Mets it never would have happened yet Steve Cohen as the new owner of the Mets said, do the right baseball thing. And the right baseball thing was to move on from Cano, despite the fact that they owed him 40-plus million dollars. Robinson Cano was a detriment to the New York Mets, and they decided to move on. You look at what Doc Rivers is right now, the guy is a detriment to what the Sixers are trying to accomplish. Now, I am not fully convinced that... Mike D'Antoni is the right answer because I think in a lot of ways, when you hire Mike D'Antoni, you are saying, we are allowing James Harden to continue to make the decisions here, and you may as well hand him the maximum amount at that point, but which you cannot do mm-hmm. in any way. But I am convinced that Doc is not the guy, and this is going to be an incredibly frustrating offseason For the city of Philadelphia, when it comes to the Sixers, if you're talking about keeping Doc or if you're talking about signing Harden and then hiring his coach, 
for a situation where you are running it back from Houston with Daryl Morey, with D'Antoni, and with Harden, where they never won a championship to begin with. And that's why the timing of the Joel Embiid injury, the timing of the Joel Embiid injuries is so... It's so rough for the Sixers because they now have this built-in excuse. If the Sixers don't win this series, they can just go to the fan base and say, well, uh, we didn't have Embiid just like two years ago in the, in, in, the, in the playoffs. The same thing happened with Ben Simmons. That can't happen it in It can't this happen here. No. And look, Mike D'Antoni is not the right guy, but you know who is? Jay Wright. Jay Wright is the right guy. Yes, Jay Wright is. is the best coach in the history of Philadelphia in any sport. I'm not convinced that he's done coaching. He's still a reasonably young man. I know that he can build a program, and he can do the one thing that the Sixers don't do. Have a good winning culture. That's been the biggest problem in Philly for this whole time. Culture is the reason why Ben Simmons became a celebrity who now is only playing basketball on occasion. The culture in Philadelphia has, has, be, has, has created a, a situation in which winning comes like pulling teeth. Jay Wright would solve that instantly. Blank check for Jay Wright as far as I'm we concerned. We talked about it yesterday with Chris a little bit. The biggest attribute that Jay Wright has is that he's a relationship guy. Mm. And he is going to build a strong relationship with the centerpiece players that he will need to. The two right now being Embiid and then very much on the way if he's not there already, Tyrese Maxey. And so if that is the case and he may say right now, Jay Wright told Mike Sielski of mm-hmm. uh, Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Inquirer the other day that he's not coaching right now. But if the job opens up, this is the only job, having worked in Philadelphia, you know that city, that I ever felt that Jay Wright would ever leave Villanova for. This is... And it's come to uh, fruition. They've talked about it a couple times. But I think this is the time. Open the floodgates, man. Look around the league. The teams that are having the most success around the league right now are all teams with great built-in cultures with homegrown talent. Look at Phoenix. Look at Milwaukee. Look at Boston. Don't look at Philly. Don't look at Brooklyn. Don't look at these places that have decided to sell their souls for the celebrity NBA superstar. Jay Wright is the exact right person at the exact right time for the 70s. It's Chris Carlin in for Greeny today on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. We are joined by Hembo. We are also joined by Bubba. And I want to turn to Bubba for just a moment because Bubba and I were discussing the Robinson Cano comparison earlier and he brought it up because it changes the mentality of a fan and Bubba as a huge New York Met fan tell me what you are thinking earlier this week now versus what you would have been thinking two years ago when you found out that the Mets were going to go ahead and cut bait with Cano oh it's just a huge difference because before with Wilpon you would have been thinking all right they're going to send down Dominic Smith they're going to send down J.D. Davis we're going to I mean it's you just knew that was going to happen and we're going to keep Cano he's going to be he's batting under 200 we're going to keep him in the lineup because he's making so much money let's wait for the weather to get warmer they'll let's make, wait yeah, for him make to the excuses yeah. but we heard from all the reporters and all the sources that Steve Cohen went to all of his front office people and said what is the baseball decision and Billy Epler said we have to get rid of Cano. And he said, all right, let's do it. And he didn't care that it was $37.5 million. And this is a perfect example of what is the basketball decision. The basketball decision is you have to get rid of Doc Rivers. And if it's $24 million, then you have to get rid of $24 million. Now, yes, you have to pay another coach. But like Hembo's saying, it's not part of the salary cap. And that's the move you have to make. And the fans, we would have been so despondent and just distraught knowing that Cano would have still been there. And you it's just the the pick me the pickup of just the positive energy of making that move was just so great and the the positive momentum is just so awesome that it's just it's just a, a new change for the Mets that's great and 
You you hope that the Sixers would do that if they're if they're them. Do you hear the energy in Bubba? Do you hear how much this has picked up his spirits? Do you hear the despair in Hembo when we talk about keeping Doc Rivers because of the money? This is the effect that it can have. The Steve Cohen effect, too. This is on-the-job learning training for Steve Cohen because last year he would have sent out a Twitter poll. What should my GM do? Should I cut <laughs> Robinson Cano? Should I send down J.D. Davis? Should I send down Dominic Smith? That's how he would have made that decision. So, look, he, he is... Obviously, having the, the kind of pockets, having his pockets lined with money and billions of dollars to help Steve Cohen a lot, of course. But it's also, you know, showed, showed you some growth there. Last year, Absolutely. it was all about the Twitter timeline. Now, look at him making baseball decisions. I loved it. Hey, love speaking of the Mets, did you yeah. catch the game last night? I, uh, I, I don't think I deserved to bring. Like, we already, like, dude, we're 15 minutes into the show. This is cruel and <laughs> don't unusual. Don't worry, we've got a lot more time to cover it. Oh, we my will. gosh. Corey Knable. Oof. That was a rough one. We will get into all of that. (laughs) This has been Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Chris Carlin in for Greeny today with the hashtag crew here. Greeny is presented by Progressive Insurance. And now, a no-frills ad brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Here it is. You could save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. That's it. See? Just a good old-fashioned, straightforward ad. See if you could save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or at Progressive.com. Coming up, in just moments, Dylan Brooks has been suspended for a game by the NBA. It's not enough. Plus, we'll get the take of one of our NBA experts. That in just moments. Chris Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Greeny, the podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like For the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more More than than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Brooks with a catch. He's wide open left corner. Misses a three. Draymond Green has the rebound. Still 8-0 Memphis. Pass ahead to Payton. Goes in. Got fouled hard by Brooks. They might have to take a look at this one. 
Yeah, they are. They're going to review it. Eric Lewis says, let's take a look at this one. Well, he's still down. Yes. That's a hard foul, Jim. Peyton had a line in there. Oh, he pushed him from behind midair. Oh, my goodness. And Peyton put his left elbow right into the, the padding of the basket and then whacked him across the head. Will we get a flagrant two here? Foul on the floor has been upgraded to a flagrant foul penalty two for wind-up, impact, and follow-through to the head. While the player was prone to injury, Dylan Brooks will be ejected from the game. So Brooks is gone. You can make a case that was worse than what Draymond did. Draymond at least tried to catch the guy. That was the Warriors' call of what happened with an ugly, ugly situation with Dylan Brooks the other day in Game 2. And now Dylan Brooks has been suspended by or by the league for one game. It is Chris Carlin in for Greeny today on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus, presented by Progressive Insurance. Also on your smart speaker at Play ESPN Radio. This suspension is light. I should have, it should have been two games. I did not expect it in any way to be more than one game. I fully expected it to be one game. But when you watch the play over and over again and you hear the description of it from the official himself, the wind-up, the contact, the result, you understand that Dylan Brooks with this play was beyond out of line. What his personal history is, does not play any sort of a role in this. It was early in this game. The Clearly, the Memphis Grizzlies were trying to set a physical tone as they continued to do moments later with Draymond Green. And Steve Kerr knew that this was going to be the case coming in. And yet what Brooks did in that instance was completely dirty, out of left field, and unnecessary when he did not even attempt to go for the basketball. One game is light primarily because the league needs to clamp down on a series that has been very, very chippy already. And you need to clamp down to send a message to the rest of the league and the rest of the teams playing in the postseason that, in fact, it's not going to be acceptable to have a situation where you have a player get another player into a situation where he is injured and out for a long time. And that, unfortunately, is what we are facing here with Gary Payton II. We're going to talk more about that in just moments with Monica McNutt, who's going to join us on set. The job search can be a frustrating journey filled with long, lonely hours on the computer and countless attempts to get noticed by employers. ZipRecruiter gets it. No one wants to feel alone in their job search. That's why ZipRecruiter's AI does so much of the work for you. They save you time by sending you jobs you can apply to with one click. They pitch your profile to employers so you stand out. Job seekers... Feel the love. Sign up for free at ZipRecruiter.com. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com. Chris Carlin in for Greeny today on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. ESPN NBA analyst Monica McNutt joins us right now. All right. Appreciate it. How no are you? No problem. I'm good. How are you? Doing great. What was your take on the suspension here for Dylan Brooks? I didn't like the suspension. Really? I didn't, I didn't like the process. I understand the suspension, and the thing that it is most comparable to was the Grayson Allen-Alex Caruso play. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, transition, you took a guy out of the air, suspended, sustained injury, right? But I, I just – it's murky for me, Chris, because is the suspension predicated on how severe the injury is or is not? And, it, and for some, that may be very simple, but to me – 
as we look at this series in totality, oh, you remember there was another flagrant two before game two? Remember that one? Mm-hmm. So if Brandon Clark cracks a clavicle, or it, even if it's an injury that doesn't necessarily immediately require attention but lingers, then what? And so to me, j- the suspension part is murky. Now, I understand the message that is being sent this series has been chippy. It has been fantastic. It is unfortunate that the fouls are leading headlines in it because it's been a fantastic series. I understand it. I just think the process is a little bit murky. My problem with it is I think it should be two games. Okay. Be ju- just primarily because you've had this all go on already. You've had the rhetoric pick up with Draymond and such, and that's not the fault of Dylan Brooks. But the injury does have to play a role here. And when I think about... If this had been another player, let's just argue for a second. Instead of Gary Payton, that's Steph Curry. How many games mm-hmm. is he getting at that point? And you can't, you, you can't be in a position where you should value one player over another. But I, I personally believe, not should it should ever be an eye for an eye, but maybe set the tone a little bit more by the league by grabbing control of it and saying, hey, this, no matter who it is, is this is not going to be acceptable. So I, I, I agree with you in if there is a rule, cool. You pick up a flagrant two and somebody hits the ground as suspension becomes a part of uh, the punishment period, cool if that's a rule. But almost to counter your point, though, the, fl- the flagrant two in game one also spoke to the tempo of a series. Right. And nobody is, is going to miss time because of that, but should that have well, encountered but, a suspension? But the injury in and of itself, I thought... Draymond absolutely should have been ejected when okay. it happened. But this was wind up, not go for the ball, and knock him in the side of the head. I don't think the intent was there to injure him. Agreed. But there, there was the intent there to make a hard foul no layup to rule. set a tone. Yes. No layup rule. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you I'm could taking the ap- injury into account. I don't have a problem with I got you. I, yeah. I think you could apply the same tone-setting mentality to the first flagrant two that we saw. Now, listen. If at a baseline, an eye for an eye, to your point, mm. Gary Payton II is going to miss time, and that is unfortunate. And if you go, the precedent that was set with the Bulls and Bucks, here we are. Yeah. I get it. I, I think the pace of that game was frenetic. Yes, wind up. I also thought just out of control. It was a stupid foul. I, do, I agree that with that wholeheartedly. It was a stupid foul. I just I have questions about the process. Monica McNutt joining us on set, ESPN NBA analyst. Okay, so – the series overall at this point. What is your take on the Grizzlies and Warriors right now? Do the Grizzlies at this younger juncture of their development have a real good opportunity here, or are we just going to see the Warriors take control? I think the Grizzlies have a real opportunity. And we This morning on Get Up, we had BPI up, which actually predicted the Grizzlies. I think it was 54% to 46 to come out of the series. I don't know if it's that much of a margin for either team, um, but I think the Grizzlies have a real shot here. I mean, we talked about this in terms of the play-in, and yes, the play-in was one game, and now we're talking about the duration of a series, but there's something about being the little bros, so to speak, yeah. with an opportunity to knock off the big established bro and to have the pieces that create a good matchup. Between the size, speed, and the defensive commitment that the Grizzlies came into this series with as an identity – that's a great matchup. Now, yeah. granted, the Warriors are so precise. As soon as you turn your head the wrong way, backdoor cut, you got to pay for it. And the Warriors may very well win the series, but I, as we've seen through, fir- through the first two, Chris, it's a great game. I mean, it's a great series. And they, oh. I think they have a real opportunity. I don't think this is a farce at all. Okay, so with that being the case, the one thing I think about here, Monica, is that I see Morant, and he is just so dynamic and so much fun to watch in every single way. 
And yet, you know, Steph says to him after game one, we're going to have some fun here. And then Morant kind of goes back with that after game two. I wonder if Steph is setting the trap. I wonder (laughs) if Steph is trying to have him turn this into more about Morant versus Steph versus the Grizzlies versus the Warriors. Am I wrong with that? I do not think that that is Steph's intention. But that is absolutely one of the bigger headlines. Like, as we bantered around talk, uh, talking points for Get Up this morning, you know, the conversation of who's been the best player in this series is real. And if you want to go player versus closer, Ja is making his presence felt. I do think it was ridiculous that he was the most improved player, but he is making his presence <laughs> felt, right? Yeah. Um, and while Steph pointed to championship DNA, which is real and could be the deciding factor in this series, those are the two household names, among others, but in particular, those are the two household names that are going head-to-head. And to me, Clay got the credit for the defensive stop at the end of game one, but I, I thought Steph had a moment, too, where he was solid defensively in terms of answering the call. So those two are the headlines. I think what is unique about the Warriors, and it's funny because Max Kellerman was going on and on about Steph having an actual moment to claim in the postseason. What, you, what is unique about the Warriors is the nature of how they play ball Steph doesn't have to answer the bell. He's not the only one. Right. It's great if he's on, but Jordan Pool Party, right? Like their development, the pieces, they're, they've been okay. Now, will he need to have signature Steph performances the rest of the way? You could argue that. And, the, and as a team, what they shot, 18% from three in the last game? It they won't rough. do that at home yeah. to Saturday night or Saturday afternoon. No, that, I totally agree with you on that. Sixers. Let's look, let's look at the bigger picture for a second. First of all, do you agree that this series is over at this point? If Joel Embiid can't, well, I guess I agree it's over either way because if Joel does play, I, you push maybe it to they six, get a game. Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. you push it to six. So, yeah. um, all right. Well, with that being the case, how do you evaluate this whole situation with their future when it comes to James Harden, when it comes to Doc Rivers? Chris has had me so stressed this morning on Get Up. So stressed. Um, I don't have an issue with Doc Rivers. In fact, I think people have quickly forgotten that Doc was part of unlocking Joel to the next level. The candid conversations that he had with him about what it will require to be great and be an MVP, right? So all of a sudden, we're trying to unlock James Harden, who I don't know that will be ever unlocked in terms of a Houston version of James Harden. So that if the issue for Doc is how to get James Harden going, I don't think that's fair. You've got to give Doc the credit for developing Maxi, for, un- for taking Joel Embiid to the next level. So I think Doc should be safe. The bigger issue about what you do with James Harden at 33, and, you know, I could opt into this five-year deal at 38 and not having a history of taking particular care of his body, which is going to be required now, you got to have some real conversations behind the scenes and hope that he's telling the truth if that commitment is coming. Otherwise, I, I don't know why you don't keep building with Maxi. You know, go back to Tobias Harris as a primary scoring option guy I, I would be very reticent to sign that deal with James Harden long-term. I tell you, it's going to be very tricky. And part of me says, if I'm Daryl Morey, if this relationship is as great as it's made out to be, you can have a very honest discussion of, there hey, is. opt in, we'll try to run it back, and you show us that you're still that player that should get a max contract. Yeah, yeah. and it, I mean, James was a game of chicken. Like, if he were to opt out, if I'm the Sixers, okay. Like, yeah, you gotta, okay. we're good. No offense, yeah. but, you know, if he gets upset about it, well, listen, we do I mean, what we got to do. Like, I, we've quickly forgotten. They were in decent – I don't remember exactly where, but they were doing all right before the trade. 
Yeah. Now, is that sustainable for a championship? Pro- you probably still need another piece, but it's not as if they're going to be decimated and James Harden has been a world beater since he's joined the Sixers. Are we not giving enough love to the Miami Heat right now? Of course not, because this story is way more <laughs> talkable. The Miami Heat are just a machine. They're just a machine. Are, are they a machine that can sustain it in the next series, or are we watching the Eastern Conference Finals right now in Bucks Celtics? I do think that the Heat can sustain it in the next series. My concern with the Heat no matter who comes out of that series, is those are also teams that are very stout defensively. And the Heat have been subject to lulls offensively. Yeah. Disappearance of your sixth man of the year, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, like maybe Jimmy's on from behind the three-point line, maybe not. Now, could Victor Oladipo continue to emerge as a guy that can become a reliable scorer? I love Max Struess's story and his arc. Um, he's a guy whose name was really interesting in that most improved player conversation as well. Um, P.J. Tucker, Bam Adebayo, like – can they, can they score enough? Because you're going to get plenty of defense, whoever comes out of Bucks, Boston, and then you're going to get plenty of defense from the Heat side. But can the Heat score enough? Is there a reason to believe enough in Adebayo's scoring ability at this point to call it, I, just but to believe it's going to be consistent enough? I think so. Yeah. From Adebayo, I think the way that he scores, like he's a guy, uh, he's terrific in the paint, obviously. He can get you to that, get some actions out of that second level. Uh, I've, those guys, it's so rhythmic for them, right? Like when they have an opportunity to create some rhythm and transition off of their defense, then when the ball is moving with a certain snap and pop even in the half court and there's actions, like that's when, you know, things are moving and things work well for them. So I like the leaps that – or the – steps that Bam Adebayo continues to take. And I'm excited to see, I know we talked about it, but I'm excited to see him potentially defend either Giannis or, I mean, they switch out on everything at points versus the Hawks. He's on the three-point line guarding Trey Young, so he could be guarding anybody. ESPN NBA analyst Monica McNutt with us. All right, last one. Uh, Do the Mavericks have any way to get back into this, or is this just really a bad matchup? You know what? And I'll be honest, I actually thought that this was going to be a more compelling series. I did too. And so kudos to the Phoenix Suns, who, again, another team operating very machine-like. Who it's is like just, they're tapping us on the shoulder to, hey, don't just, forget about and us. And they've just gotten better steadily through the playoffs, even through the adversity. Book misses time. Okay, cool. We're going to let some of our other guys get big-time shine moments and minutes, and they rise to the occasion. I thought that Jalen Brunson would be a bigger factor. I thought Dorian Finney-Smith would pose some problems defensively for Devin Booker. I did not account for Chris Paul going auto, like just straight up auto. And, and quite honestly, they're going after Luka defensively. And it's a smart play. It is. Like, yeah. cool, you can score 5,500 points, but you're not going to stop us. Yeah. Like, and so then, Chris, you push the conversation forward about Luka having enough, and Luka becomes eerily similar to a guy that we're not sure that Philly should want to hold on to. Like, you know what I'm saying? You kind of see that down the tunnel, and you hope not. And so, again – that, I don't, I don't know. what I, I like Jason Kidd. I think Dallas has swag. I don't think they're going to get swept. Well, Luca going to have to find his inner defensive <laughs> player of the year. <laughs> awesome stuff. Thanks for coming by, Monica. No problem. Appreciate Thanks for having me. Greeny, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. 
That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. The pitch, swing on a high fly ball, left center field, pretty deep, it's got some legs, back near the wall, it's in for a hit, Mets are going to take the lead, Nemo around third, coming home, he scores standing, double for Marte, 8-7 to seven New York, holy shnikes, the Mets with a 7-run ninth inning at Citizens Bank Park. Oh, a little Tommy Boy reference from Howie in there, is that a holy shnikes? It sounded like it. The Mets were in the zone last night. In the zone brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. At least they were in the ninth inning. Seven to one lead for the Phillies going into the ninth inning. And the Mets come back and win it eight to seven by scoring seven in the ninth inning. There's clapping in the yeah, studio we, right now. Can we not? Can we not? I just blacked out again listening to that callback. <laughs> Chris Carlin in for Greeny today on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. Joined by the hashtag crew, Hembo, Bubba, who are on opposite ends of this spectrum this morning. Bubba, who sent me a text last night, couldn't be more annoyed with himself over the fact that, admittedly, at 7-1, to one, he had turned the game off, oh. which is not the Bubba M.O. Yep, I missed it. Stretch. I missed it. Admittedly, I missed it. When did you come to realize what had happened? Yeah, so I actually I got a text from my dad. Honestly, I, I can't find anyone who actually saw it because anyone else I talked to, they're Mets fans I know, they were watching the Rangers game. They turned it off already. My dad is the only one I know who watched it because he texted me amazing, and I'm like, what is he talking about? They were getting killed. I just was watching the last inning. I checked ESPN.com, and I see they're I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just missed this. And then I, I flipped over and I watched Diaz close it out. But, yeah, normally I, I stay till the end. I've, I have mean, I've been there for, you know, them losing, what, a 20 to 2 to the Nationals. I mm. usually stick it out, but I was like, all right, this is, this is brutal. They're, they're, they're not going to win this. Let me step, flip over to Law & Order. Let me get a nice Law & Order going here. And, uh, yeah, it came back to bite me. Sadly I, missed that one. I won't lie. I was on to Ozark at that point and, you know, second to last episode. Yeah. I, it, the, you know, I had it, it, that was one of those nights with no NBA games for me where it was kind of a check-in night. Yeah, you got to get, you gotta get caught up games. on some things with no NBA. Exactly. And the Mets, and understandably so, Bubba, because the Mets had been 0-330 in their last 25 seasons, went down six-plus runs in the ninth inning, their last win in this situation came September 13th, 1997 against the Montreal Expos. And for the Phillies, it is their first loss when leading by six or more runs in the ninth inning since 1994 against the Braves. Let's just hold for a second before we get the response from our friend Hembo. And here, first of all, from Joe Girardi, the Phillies manager, after the game last night with some rational thinking about the outcome. That's about as hard as I've been through. Um, We played a really good eight innings, and it was just (laughs) top of the ninth that that beat us. Um, It starts with an infield hit, and then they hit the baseball after that. And then (laughs) 
They hit the baseball after that. That about sums it up. <laughs> Played a great eight innings. Hembo, sit tight for just one second. Gather your thoughts. It's time to say goodnight to that check engine light with the free AutoZone Fix Finder service. It'll help troubleshoot the likely cause of your light for free so you can drive with peace of mind. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone. AutoZone. You know, conversely, Joe, the Mets played really poorly for eight innings. <laughs> and yet in that one inning, they played great. Yeah, so. And won the game. So, Hembo, we turn to you as the Philly guy as we have established. I mean, that's like Abe Lincoln's wife talking about how the play went. Or it's like asking the captain of the Titanic how the, how the trip went before you struck the iceberg. Yeah. What, what happened last night was an, a season-defining event, a potentially era-defining event. And honestly, as a Phillies fan, especially in my headspace right now, it's not even all that surprising. And watching the game, it almost felt inevitable, believe it or not. That's a thing that has happened, the kind of thing that happens to the Phillies because their bullpen has been awful for the last three years. And it's the kind of thing that could only happen to the Mets this year. There's no way that you could convince me that if that team was managed by Rojas or by Callaway, that they're coming back to win that game. Because this is a team that believes they can win that kind of game. Not only did it require all those runs in the ninth inning, but it also required five perfect innings from the bullpen to get there. There's a different feel about the Mets this year with Buck in charge, and I'm willing to give him some credit for that. And I have to say, listen, this is not exactly splitting the atom when it comes to analysis. But when you watch what's going on in that ninth inning and you watch the reaction of Met players, that is a joy that I have not seen in the faces of Met players in years. Really since 2015, Bubba, because you're watching Alonzo and Lindor in the dugout, and, you know, Lindor hit the two-run homer to get it going, but after that, you know, neither one of those guys were really a big factor in that necessarily in in the comeback at that point, and yet they are leading the charge in that group there yeah the energy is undeniable right now with the Mets I don't know if it's going to keep up for the whole season sure. but at the moment well you can't get enough oh yeah I think the energy that's a great point because I mean last year you know we had the whole uh raccoon thing in the uh in the <laughs> at dugout this point, so they were they were literally fighting each other, each other up against the wall and that's been the issue one minute that's been the thing for the you know the team forever is they just didn't have any chemistry and now it seems like yeah they all like each other it's been great how about this for the, just the last week Mets Phillies the Mets no hit the Phillies and then had this comeback that's all in the they said this last night on TV and I couldn't agree more the Mets no hitter that feels like it was a month ago it does that that was last week against the Phillies yeah. Unbelievable. Good job, Phillies. I just I, feel like Bubba is pelting me with paintball. Oh, there's no question that painful. he is right now. This is... I mean, here's the thing. Can't you allow him to do that? Because at how much pain has he been through mm. as a Met fan yeah. for so long? And finally, there is a positive energy that he is clearly not accustomed to. Yeah. And honestly, what I have to say, this Mets team is not at all unlikable. These guys are easy to root for, and I can say that as a Phillies fan. It is going to continue to be a very, very entertaining season for the Mets. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.